This is David Reed for Gate World, and I'm uh, on the phone with actor Dion Johnstone. Uh, anyone who's familiar with Stargate has seen this man's work. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. Thank you. I uh, have been wanting to interview you for several years now. Um, I think I had gotten in touch with your agent several years back, and it's uh, the, the, the main response was you were in Toronto doing theater, uh-huh. And uh, we, we'll, we'll try and work something out, and nothing ever happens, so I'm really pleased that we've managed to, uh, managed to uh, get together at this point. Oh, um, that's so what's, what's going on with you lately? We haven't seen you on Stargate in a while. We never saw you in, on Atlantis or, or Universe. Um, what, what have you been up to? Well, around the time that Stargate Atlantis uh, was put together, um, I had moved out to Stratford to work at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. And, um, and I ended up doing uh, seven seasons on and off. And um, I'm about to go into my eighth season come this summer. And they're pretty long contracts when you're working at, at the festival. They can be anywhere from six to, to eight months of work. So uh, it pretty much takes you out of the, the loop for, for film and television work. So, um, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, amazing experiences that I've, that I've had working at the festival. And, and there have been a few losses um, as a result of that, too, I, I know uh, there was a third episode that that Stargate wanted to do with uh, or ended up doing actually with Shaka. Yeah, um, and and we were in quite a quite a bind. I was already locked into the contract, and and there was just no way that that uh, that I could get out of it in time to to do that episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've had to 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 lose a couple of opportunities, but uh, I think overall uh, I've gained a lot of fantastic experience in in the long run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you prefer about uh, theater work that um, that you can't take advantage of on uh, in front of a camera? Well, it's it's the audience, it's the the live experience. It's mm-hmm. um, it's kind of an unbeatable feeling in, in that sense because you have an audience that's that's out there breathing with you, mm-hmm. and and the story really only exists through the suspension of their disbelief. So every night you're 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 creating that that performance with that audience, and and uh, and you don't have that experience on on set mm-hmm. uh, because you're you're quite often playing to an audience of of one. I mean, you, you have your crew around you, absolutely, but you're but, really playing to to the audience of of the other actor, or sometimes just directly down the down the lens. You know, if it's uh, if it's an intimate close up. And so, you don't get that feedback from from the fans until you know months later when the episode is released. Exactly, so. exactly. Yeah, there's two waves of when you're doing film and television. There's the initial filming of it, which is you know very exciting, and then you leave it for you know mm-hmm. four to four to six months, a year sometimes, and mm-hmm. and then the second wave of when it's released, and people mm-hmm. finally get to see it, and you go, oh my god, yeah, that's what I did. I, I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what it looks like when it's put together. Okay. Exactly. So, I want to jump into Shaka. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of my favorite characters from the entire series. And uh, it's that's when I really started noticing you. I, I mean, you had done Naonak before, which was masked. And it was supposed to be, you know, the unveiling is Apophis. Um, Nelson, also in uh, uh, Rules of Engagement, another great, another great character. But Shaka's really the one that stands out to me. Um, tell me about the genesis of this character when you got to audition for it. Did 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 they come specifically for for you, or did you have to audition for him? 
This one uh, came specifically to me. Okay. Um, and at this point, I'd been, I'd been, uh, I'd done maybe about four, four, maybe five episodes of, of of Stargate, and and what had started to happen is is the first episode I did was as a human, and mm-hmm. it was in a storyline where there wasn't a chance of that character coming mm-hmm. back, but uh, but the producers were were very excited about about my work and wanted to find a way to continue to incorporate using me. So I had been uh, approached by uh, one of the directors, Andy Makita, who was about to, to direct his first episode. And uh, he talked to me about uh, doing prosthetic work, and if I had any interest in that. And he said, you know, most actors find it very difficult because you're, you're encased in, in, in latex, it's hard to breathe, you have to sip your meals through a straw, um, and, and you don't get facial recognition for, for your work. But uh, on another end, uh, it's it's a, it's a great opportunity for more screen time to, to develop your craft and and to to uh, to stay a part of the show. And for me, I, I was so very new in, in film and television, and uh, and I just wanted any opportunity that that, that I could to, to continue doing this. So I said, yeah, that, that that'd be great. So so I ended up doing that episode, sort of a, a, a sub a sub alien in, in it. Oh, you're talking about foothold. Foothold, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and then that led to to uh, essentially replacing uh, Peter Williams as as uh, Apophis until his his reveal, mm-hmm. because he was unavailable to, to shoot that episode because of his schedule, and and that had built enough of a, a track record with 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 the company mm-hmm. that Peter DeLuise came up to me and said, "Listen, I've written an episode. It's going to be uh, my first uh, creation that I get to direct. I'm very excited about it." And uh, and I'd like you to to play Shaka, and uh, so I was blown away. I mean, in, in, incredibly um, touched by 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 that, and uh, and honored by the opportunity. And and Peter was very uh, specific. Uh, it was great working with him in, in terms of what he wanted with with Shaka, and he, he sent me on on a on a, a bit of a mission in terms of mm-hmm. different films to 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 research um, different. Um, you know, he wanted me to look at Maasai warriors, uh, the tribes that, that, that have, uh, you know, the spiritual walkabout when a, when a teen uh, leaves the, the village and goes out into the woods and, and, and has to come back a, a man, mm-hmm. either by bringing back food for, for the tribe or, or finding their spirit animal or making some sort of a, a connection. He wanted mm-hmm. me to do research in, in that sort of tribal areas. Um, he wanted me to watch Enemy Mine. Very good movie. Yes, fantastic, fantastic. You gossip. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this: Did you were were you asked to watch Thor's Hammer and Demons at that point? Because those were the Unas episodes, or you, were you, yes. was he wanting yeah. you to stay away from them? No, no, no. He wanted me to watch them. Okay. He wanted me to watch them specifically because he said the problems that they that they had had initially in, in building the costume is it was very very restrictive. And, and the, the actor who played the the, the Unas in in Demons um, had had a very difficult time. It was hard to breathe. Um, he started to develop a rash underneath the suit, and and his his ability to to um, to rotate his head and and, and yeah. arm all that to, to create a sort of a, a natural movement was yeah. very hampered by the costume. And and Peter wanted me to to observe that to see how we could with with this costume make it look as as real as possible. So to do things like anytime you could you could you know rotate your head and, and torso in, mm-hmm. in, in an opposite direction, it gives that sort of torque to a body, which is, which is a very natural movement mm-hmm. and, and um, helps escape that, that person in a, in a rubber suit, you know? Mm-hmm. 
they've, they've done a lot of work to, to make um, these new prosthetics more more breathable. I would still be encased in it for, for most of the day, but every effort to keep me cool um, and keep me hydrated and everything would be would be would be taken. In fact, they were shooting demons um, just before we shot my first episode of, of Stargate, uh, Rules of Engagement. Yeah. And that was my first television gig. So they invited me on set to, to watch the shooting of that, that episode. So oh, so you like, already saw it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's perfect. So, okay, well, that's, that's cool that you were just, that you were considered from that, from that early on. Tell us about your impressions of Shaka. And you know his journey. He went. He went on. A, he went on quite a little journey. You know, with Daniel, and you know later. I mean, I'll, we'll get to um, his second episode in a minute. But tell us about filming that with Michael Shanks. Oh, that was awesome. I had worked with Michael in a production of Hamlet, um, maybe two years prior. He had played Hamlet, and I was Horatio. So we already had uh, um, a chemistry, a natural connection, uh, which we were able to bring to to the roles. And and quite early on, there was there was a, a struggle when we first started the the shooting to to really find the the character to get the the makeup, the the, the latex, his voice, um, and and the story to get it all to sort of sync so that you 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 really believed that you were looking at a, a different you know alien being. And it's fun. exactly, yeah. And and it was finally when we hit the scene. Uh, when we were shooting in the caves and, and we're sitting by the fire pit and, and, and passing the food back and forth where Peter let us go off script and he, and he said, just, uh, yeah, just sort of improvise this, this scene. So quite a lot of that scene is, is all the two of us just jamming and improving. And, and that's where our energies, um, you know, really came to the front. And, and it was at the same time that the, the makeup work and the lighting and everything all just synced. So, from that point on, we really had Shaka. Shaka was really locked down. Did you get any input into helping design the language? Because when it was, when there was a word that was used, mm. I didn't even realize this until years later. They kept it, and mm-hmm. I mean, Deloise was literally building the dictionary yes. of Sona's language. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't have input into um, the construction of the language. That was handed down to me along with, with the Bible. So I was able to see where the root words of, of all of this came from. Well, actually, these were the, the root words. Mm-hmm. Um, the input that I had was, was how I, I filled the language. Um, so uh, I know Peter wanted me to sort of go and have a think about, you know, how Shaka would, would, uh, would meditate. And, mm. and so, you know, I, I took a camera with me and went off into the woods with, with some friends. And I said, I just want you to film me. And, and I'm sort of going to just explore like a day in the life of, of, of Shaka <laughs> to, to figure out, yeah, just to figure out his physicality. And they were great, too, because on set, when I had the, the, the costume fitting, I said, oh, this is phenomenal. Can you give me some time in the caves? And, and I've got my video camera. And I just want to play around because I, I want to see how this mask essentially mm-hmm. works. Um, you know, what angles make it look mm-hmm. real, you know, what doesn't work about it. And they said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. They, they sent me with... Uh, with one of the wardrobe ladies and, and she filmed to me and, and I, I got to sort of play around and I would put all of that into to my imagination. So um, I sort of developed the, the, the chant that, that he does. It's very ritualistic. Was that, was that on purpose or did that just kind of appear? That, 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 that just naturally evolved. Yeah. It was almost like being lulled into a, to a trance, you know, mm-hmm. and 
sort of under the under the breath and it's hard to understand at first and 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 then as daniel's listening he's, he's able to sort of make out the the, the components and Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was essentially written in the script. They wanted a, a, an effect like that. But um, but a lot of that came through me just jamming and, and, and trying to come up with a, mm-hmm. a rhythm that internally felt felt right. Yeah. They, I mean, up until that point, I mean, except for the ones that were taken over by any of any of the Gould, um, they were just we just assumed that they were animals. And it was in this mm-hmm. episode where it was like, no, no, this these people, I mean, they're not civilized or specifically civilized or 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 at extremely intelligent per se but they do have their own culture and they do have their own set of rituals and 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 you know a guide, guidelines of right and wrong and this and that that was mm-hmm. i think that was one of the special things about that show you know that you got to see this this culture evolve on screen so from your preconceptions of what it was before which was just mindless killers right so. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then we got to see him again in Beast of Burden. What a way to go. So you were, I guess you were contacted a year later, say, can you come back? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and unfortunately, at, at the time, I was committed to doing uh, a season of Shakespeare with Bart on the Beach in Vancouver. Okay. And, and just at the same time that the production came up. So we had a, a, a bit of back and forth between Bard and, and, and Stargate production trying to find out, well, when, when can we shoot this? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I need to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But we can't compromise um, also the, the production with, yeah. with, uh, with Bard. And so in the end, they had to push the schedule a little bit earlier in order to, to get the shoot done. Um, but what it meant was uh, Peter DeLuise... Uh, who again had had written it and and was to direct it, um, didn't get to direct it. So ah, so that was okay. that, that was um, that was that was tough. That was the compromise, though. It got mm-hmm. you back, but you had exactly. a different voice in the back of behind the cameras and yeah, giving you input. But the cool thing about that as well too is is Martin Wood ended up directing it, and he was fantastic, and and he you know he said he loved what I had done in 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 the first ones and trusted me with with the character so at, at that point whereas in, in in the first ones it was very much an evolution process and mm-hmm. I was with peter all the way through pretty much to really figure out who this who this guy was you know mm-hmm. and um and in beast of burden i felt like i got to run with it you know mm-hmm. um I, I knew who he was um everyone trusted me with what i was going to do with him and and i just got to play out the the situation at at hand which was mm-hmm. a great storyline you mm-hmm. know with with uh, oppression and slavery, he leads a revolt. Exactly. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. It doesn't exactly do what Daniel wants him to do near the end. There, that was a powerful show. I remember that. That's a that's a great episode to to rewatch. Um, did you see uh, Patrick Curry's performance in the subsequent episode? Have you ever seen that? I have. Yeah. Okay. Very different take. Very on different. It. Yeah. Yeah, because the mannerisms and everything else—they're more, they're more fluid. You know, I, I remember watching uh, uh, your performance in in Beast of Burden, the first ones, and and he, you know, if he gets surprised by something, it's like what, what, what was that? What was that? And whereas <laughs> Patrick is more like just just much more fluid about it, which, in my opinion, I mean, it was really hard to see that as the same character. The only thing that you could do was say, okay, this has been. A couple of years, a lot has happened to him. He's building a culture. He's kind of growing up and chilling. 
That's the only thing yeah. that I could really think of to sell it, other than the same makeup design, because it's a different person underneath. It's mm-hmm. specifically a different portrayal. You know, you can't you can't mm-hmm. ask someone to say, "Do it like that actor did." You know, you're not going to do that. Exactly. So, what did you think? Yeah. I thought it was great. I, I would have loved to have yeah. played. To, to, to be honest, it was mm-hmm. it was, uh, and it took me a while. I, I couldn't watch it for a while because I was I was quite close to to the character, and mm-hmm. I waited a couple of years and, and then and then finally saw it, and and I, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's uh. It's difficult to to step into to the rhythm of of a character when it's been that specifically drawn. You you really have to go in as as you're saying, you know, and and, and just put your own interpretation on it. And and, and thankfully enough time had had yeah. gone by that, that you could you could go. Well, time has gone by, and and, and he's become um, well, he's become an ambassador by by this point. So At that point, he's had uh, enough interaction with, with with different cultures and with, with human culture that. Um, that that can fly, you know. Mm-hmm. He would have been influenced by them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like the Iron Man movies, you know, the, the yeah. Iron Man, um, Terrence Howard as 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 um, um, as Rhodey, and mm-hmm. and then in in the second film, uh, Don Cheadle, you know, exactly completely actors completely different. different. And at some point, you just gotta go with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. That wasn't the least of your you know makeup work on the show. Did you like? All that stuff applied to you, you know? I mean, I know that they did everything that they could to, to make you feel comfortable and everything else, but at the end of the day, you know, doesn't it really wear on you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a war of attrition. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, those were, I would say, on average, eight-day shoots yeah. where you'd be up at four in the morning. You'd be in the makeup chair for three hours mm-hmm. um, to get on set for blocking at 7 a.m., mm-hmm. and, and uh, I was the last one to leave. Pretty much on, on each day, so so I'd be I'd be wrapping at about eight p.m. I'd get home, eat, go right to bed, and and start the whole thing all over again. And um, you know, I would I would fall asleep in, in the makeup chair, and basically wake up when when it was all done. They were really good about letting the actors do that if there were oh, a lot of prosthetics. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Every now and then, I I, I feel uh, someone tipping my head back up because I, I might start to slide off the chair. <laughs> You know, <laughs> exactly. It's it's hard work. There there were times uh, we we had a big struggle with the lenses. Um, yeah, the, keeping the, them straight, and I've got the bet they were irritating. Oh yeah, from the time that they go in, it's it's your 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 eyes are wearing down. So you you're battling not wanting to take them out because the more you take them out, the more raw your eyes get. But the longer you keep them in, uh, the less oxygen gets to to your eyes, and, and the more sore they get. And wow. so what we would, what we eventually discovered was, if we're doing a, a master shot where you're not really going to see the eyes, let's keep them out. And when we start pushing into medium and, and close up, then we'll pop them in, so so that my eyes have have the best chance to to. There you go. Um, That's great. Healthy. And I had to find my own uh, Zen place. Um, I would find in between takes, I'd be very quiet and just sort of monitor my breathing and, and uh, they'd have big flat fans blowing. Mm-hmm. I could get into my trailer. They'd, they'd, they'd have the air conditioning on full blast. Mm-hmm. If not, there were big fans sort of uh, on set for me. Mm-hmm. And I would just zone, just go into my, my, my little oasis. And when it t- came time for action, boom, explode with whatever energy was, was needed. Perfect. But your energy too too high for, for too long, you, you get very heated in, in, inside the suit and, and, it, and it can become claustrophobic. Wow. So, I'm pretty good with that stuff, um, but sort of having a, an awareness of that, I really tried to keep my energy dialed down so that I could I could make it through all the the shots that we needed to to get. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's an amazing thing, prosthetics. You know, you you appeared as Wodan in season six. That was the episode with uh, with Nirti, where she had uh, been let go by the SGC and began experimenting on another culture. Mm-hmm. And I mean, basically, if, if I remember right, you were basically an elephant man. Yes. I mean, uh, <laughs> holy cow, the prosthetics for that! Oh, yeah. And you, bulging eye. I know, out of the side of your head. Yeah. Tell us about that guy. Peter DeLuise directed that episode as well. <laughs> and I, I swear, Peter, for me, working with him was like getting a, a, a film education at, at the same time. Because he had his list of stuff that, that, uh, that he wanted me to, to uh, research and, and watch. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, was The Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, I, I, just, I, really, I want you to find, we need to find this guy's voice. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's got to somehow work with the teeth. It's got to be audible. But, but um, you know, there's a, there's a certain voice that, 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 that I'm looking for. So Very meek so and, like, not imposing, just, like, really really like worn down and you know i've been through a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. until he until he snaps you know and then, and then you quite see, literally um yeah yeah <laughs> 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 wow so wow. And that one took a, a couple days in, into the shoot to to really find before the voice settled and I remember at one point peter came up to me and he was like there we go that's it that's that's what i'm looking for you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's great. It's, it's really it reminds me of when I was in theater school and the mask work that, that we did was a part of my, my training. We did neutral mask and, and character mask. And, and so a big part of the process for me is in between takes, because you have so little time from, from the time you get the part till you're shooting, is I, I would go into my trailer and, and just sit in the mirror, in front of the mirror, and, and just sort of look at the face and, and find out, like, what can, I, what can I do with this? What, what expressions work? How do I, when I express surprise, what, you know? Because you have to over-exaggerate under the mask in order to make anything show through, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I found, for example, with Shaka, I found that there was, a, there was an air pocket in, um, in the snout. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I sort of gave a puff of air in, 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 into that, it would, it would uh, make the snout flare. And it was uh-huh. a, a nice little touch that, that uh, I just sort of just discovered by, by playing in the mirror. So, uh-huh. so I, could, um, you know, I could have him snort and surprise or, or irritation and, and uh-huh. uh, just really give that, you know, those nostrils a, a good flare. Mm. Wow. The other character that you introduced and Alex Zahara um, picked up and continued mm-hmm. in a subsequent episode was Warwick. Forsaken. Forsaken. That's right. Yeah. Another uh, another race. You know that that was interesting in that you know that episode. Uh, you, you're introduced with with his species, the Serakin, and then you got the the humans. And of course, SG SG One is thinking, you know, the humans are are going to be the good guys because a they're telling them this story they're spinning this story to them and b they're more relatable and and you've got a, spe- a species who's i imagine specifically designed to look you know malevolent yes. to add that effect i'm sure that was there yeah um and in the end you find out no no he's actually the warden <laughs> he's in charge of them tell us about that character well, it was a fun character to play. It was it was great because of that that mm-hmm. situation where the, the whole episode is a real is a real twist. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Makita uh, directed that one, mm-hmm. and um, 
I remember for him, he was also talking about, yeah, we want, we want, we're looking for a, um, a real cultivated sound to, to his voice, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, a very uh, educated man. He's a gentleman. Yeah. Um, and, and you see he has a human wife, and you see through the photograph mm-hmm. um, that he's got a very deep love, you know, for his, for his family. And, and uh, um, it, was, it was really cool to, to play that, knowing that, that they are set up looking very sinister at, at, uh, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it was also great because of the battle sequences, the big gunfire um, sequence at, at, at the beginning. Uh, any, any of the episodes where I, I got a chance to be pitched in, in, in the middle of, of uh, uh, the fire play was, was uh, always fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing choreography that they, that they put together. At that one, I think, may have been, if I were in your position just as difficult for me as Shaka because when we next see him we actually meet more of his family and we meet we understand more about him as a as a character he loses his wife you know um in um uh in the episode where where Sam goes and and uh and helps him try to win a race did you see that one I didn't I didn't you haven't seen that yeah that's space okay. race it's it's a it's a different portrayal Alex Alex definitely um, it's not as different as as your cha- your Shaka and uh, Patrick Shaka, but mm. um, it's a good episode. So definitely, you should definitely check that out. Cool. Um, you know, yeah. this is one of the ones that that I've been wanting to ask you for the longest time because you know we were seeing you regularly every season. What is the uh, the character the, the guest the guest appearance that that you wanted, if any, that got away from you did you audition for any roles on it on sg1 that you didn't get oh um, that you really wanted (laughs) (laughs) funny enough my my first episode i didn't i didn't um i didn't audition for for nelson Mm -hmm. i auditioned for captain rogers yeah okay and and uh and that was a role that that uh that i wanted Mm -hmm. um and found i didn't get it but had been cast and I thought, well, that's that's great because this was still my my first gig. Mm-hmm. And um, funny enough, uh, the guy who ended up playing Rogers, Aaron Craven, um, this was also his first gig. Mm-hmm. So so the two of us met on the day that they invited us to set, and and um, and uh, became fast friends. And as we were shooting the episode, uh, they were still doing a lot of uh, tweaking and and rewrites. And and we hit the point of the the final scene of uh, Rules of Engagement. And uh, and they were still having trouble with with um, with the writing of it, so we went into our, our trailer and, and just started hashing out a couple of different ideas and different ways of, of how to resolve the, the final lines of, of text. Came up with an idea, went to to the director and, and uh, I think it was Bill Garrity who was directing, and um, and said, "What do you think about this?" And he ran it by the producers and they said, "We love it, and do it, oh, do it." So uh, I remember here we are shooting and and. Uh, and, and at one point they're saying, yeah, just point the cameras on, on them. Just, we just want to focus it on, on, uh, on, uh, on Dion and, and, and Aaron. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and after that, uh, through that experience, uh, we became really good friends and, and have maintained a, a close friendship ever since. Wow, that's cool. It's funny. It, it, uh, it wasn't the role that, that, that I'd, I'd gone for, but uh, it sort of opened up a, a, a whole bunch of doors. Absolutely. No, you kept on coming back. 2013, you are going to be a busy man. Um, tell us what you can about uh, about participating in Defiance. Well, Everyone's excited about this series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. So. 
very excited. It uh, premieres April 1st, 2013, mm-hmm. and it's, um, it's a, a cross-platform between a, um, a, an online game that you can mm-hmm. play um, and, and the TV series, which, which you can watch, mm-hmm. and, and the storyline events that happen in the, in the, the show um, also are translated and take place in the game. So it's, it's happening simultaneously, although there are two different cities within the world that, that they're taking place. So all the gameplay that you do is, is in a different city as, mm-hmm. as the show is, is set. And for me, it was, it was really exciting. I, I play a character named Nizar, and he's of uh, an alien race called the Arathians. And um, he's uh, a spirit rider, which is sort of like a, a Hell's Angels of, of the Arathians. <laughs> they're they're um, okay. very dramatic and... and uh, and tribal and, and uh-huh. um, uh, aggressive um, bunch of people, and uh, their leader is is uh, is Sukar, and it was it was fascinating because the production uh, of Defiance they've uh, there's maybe five five possibly seven different alien species that that you'll meet throughout the show. Really, so it's they, not just one. It's not just one. No, okay. they, and they all have their own languages. And so, quite a lot of, of my text was was in Arathian, and so, so it's gonna be subtitled. I, I I don't know. I don't know okay. uh, in the end how much they'll subtitle, or how much they'll they'll want left as as mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that sort of is is left up to to production. But uh, but we had to to learn what it what it meant, what we were saying. Um, Absolutely, play the scenes uh, fully in in a, in a different language. So it, it was really exciting to. Mm-hmm. That you get the opportunity to lay down a, a, a track um, that no one's done yet, and and uh, in the same way that uh, you know a Bible was being created when when I was uh, working on Stargate, and, and there's a Bible for for the Klingon in, in, in Star Trek. There will be Bibles that that um, that are being created for for Defiance. So uh, it uh, it was a great exercise of of, of just that, that that tool of of working on different languages. Mm. They do wow. some beautiful, beautiful prosthetic work on on the alien uh, cultures. They're, they're they're just gorgeous. All of the all the different varieties that that you that you meet. The stakes of the show are, are very high. Um, wow. So I, I think it's going to be very exciting when it when it's out first of its kind. That's awesome. And op- any opportunities possibly for returning later on if if the show's successful? Uh, not right now in terms of okay. uh, how how my storyline uh, goes. Um, but you never know. Okay. That's yeah. great, dude. That's great. And you are heading to Chicago. I am. At the end of the month. Uh, there you go. One of my favorite cities. Julius Caesar. You're going to be playing Mark Antony. Yes. So, are you? were you pretty familiar with um, with Julius Caesar before before auditioning for that? Yeah, I'd, I'd, um, I played... I read it in high school, so... <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big comic book fan. And uh, and I'm an artist as well too, so I I, I, um, I drew my own comics when when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, and when I was um, sort of in, in elementary years, um, my parents were were worried that that you know they loved the fact that I I, I loved comic books, but they really wanted to to get me into uh, the classics and start getting me reading novels and literature, and and as a way of of helping bridge that that gap. They were at a flea market one day, and they found uh, these old comic books produced in in the '60s, I believe. Um, of classic called, works. Yeah, called Classics Illustrated. Yeah. Okay. So there was like Moby Dick and Three Musketeers, and and one of them was Julius Caesar, 
and I still have the the copy of that. I got it. From- <laughs> take it. Is it me. line by line, or is it it's, condensed? It's it's a condensed version, okay. of it, but but it is the the, the text from from the okay. play, and. So that was my first introduction to, to Shakespeare was through, wow. through a comic book. So when we hit that time in school where, um, you know, you're learning Shakespeare and, and everyone has to take turns reading it, it was easier for me because I had those images. I had those comic images in my head. I, I, I had uh, um, a visual attachment to, to the words. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, yeah, I, I did. Um, I played Octavius Caesar at, at Stratford maybe four or five years ago okay. uh, when, we, when we did... Uh, Julius Caesar there. So I've been in the production as well, too. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, to this production that we're going to do and to playing Mark Antony. We're setting it in, in a modern American political landscape. So, really? Yeah. So it should have some uh, very exciting relevance um, to, to audiences. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. That would be almost bizarre to be... Um involved with a character Octavius and then even in a different setting to reapproach it again inside of another character you know just right. almost like jumping bodies <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay I was that guy I know those lines because I imagine all the lines are intact exactly you're yeah. just you're just changing the appearance exactly. so that yeah. sounds really cool yeah, you think your home over time is is going to remain theater, like doing some obviously doing some acting work in front of the cameras on the side. But you think your home base really is theater? I'm actually looking to to shift my my home base into film and television. Okay, um, and and I've it took the last year off of theater to just focus on on film and TV, mm-hmm. and and basically started making the rounds in in all the various shows in in Toronto over this over this past year, and it's been great to to get me back into into the scene. Um, I'll have a bit of a break in between um, Julius Caesar, and then I then I'll be playing Othello for Stratford in, in the summer. So I'll have a, a, a like a three month opportunity to, to to plug away a little bit more at at film and TV. But when I uh, wrap Othello in in the fall of of uh, 2013, uh, my goal is is really to to put back that concentrated effort into to film and television. I love both mediums. Theater is always going to be uh, part of it, and and I've vested quite a number of years um, solidly in, in 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 theater to really get myself to the place where I can play the roles that I'm playing now. It's a foundational thing. It really is. I mean, it, it come, it's, it's one of the oldest forms of entertainment. And, you know, I mean, it still resonates even after thousands of years. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and I think it's the immediacy. It's, it's, it's happening right there in front of you in that moment, in that way, only for you. Mm-hmm. you know? um, whereas, uh, and I love I love film and television. There's a, a level of, of intimacy that you can achieve on screen that um, that you can't do on stage. It, it just wouldn't to the back row of a 2000 seat theater. Um, and in a way, I, I find working on on each helps strengthen the other. There's uh, film and TV is a, is a real a really good bull monitor. You know, you can't, <laughs> can't lie. Don't you lie? The camera catches it, so it it, it forces you to to keep reinvesting and, and find the truth of, of, of what it is you're, you're expressing. And then to, to bring that to, to the stage so that even though, you know, um, your lens needs to be bigger in terms of how you project that out to the audience, um, that's, that truthful place still needs mm-hmm. to be as, as intimate within yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I find they, they, they really help and influence each other. 
Absolutely. I have a I have a friend in LA who um does uh props work during the day, but um a lot of times we'll 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 take his son to go do auditions for like commercials and things like this. The little boy's like 9 years old. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's just They've landed like one really big commercial in a couple of years, you know, that's going to like take care of his college, you know, but at the same time, you know, there's all of these driving all over L.A. trying to to get work for him. The amount of competition that's out there to get to get those roles is just staggering. You know, Mm. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know how you guys, you know, manage to do that. If you're not really well known, Mm -hmm. then the number of you know, your your op- I imagine it's it's kind of like to scale. The more work you do, the more well known you are. The 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 greater your chances of getting a, a particular. Or maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. A particular you know a particular role or a particular job, but I, I it's just so. hard. Yeah, and I, I think even with the body of work that that you can create, mm-hmm. you you always run the risk in in film and television because so much of it is is what's hot at the moment. You know exactly, and and it's it's. I mean, I think if, if as an actor you can you can build your career just solidly um, through your body of work, just by continuing to work and, and work and, and work, you you make enough connections in, in the industry and, and people respect and like to work with you that you will continue to work. Mm-hmm. The thing with with uh, fame and celebrity status is is it's it's very fleeting and and exactly it's got very little to do with 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 the acting. It's it's sort of a whole other thing that you can't control. Mm-hmm. So you can be hot in the moment. And and then all of a sudden you can't get work after that. Nobody wants to see you. Um, you may have done something that bombed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or or you played a fantastic role on a long running series, and now that the series is done, people can't see you as anything other anything than else. Role, you know. Yeah. So there's many pitfalls that that are so hard to to predict in in this industry, mm-hmm. even when you are successful. Let's say you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of why I, I like to to go back and, and hit the boards, as, as, as they say, and sort of reinvest in, in theater from time to time. Because I, I think that's the place where it's, it's really the actor's craft. And, and it's not about the, the... It's great when you can be in a show that's got beautiful production values, but you don't need that in the end to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. So when I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm losing touch with, with that, it's always good to, to fly back in and, 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 and do a play and, and reinvest yourself. 